it's time again to bring our blessing, to bring a blessing to our God. What mercy He has shown, causing us to be born again, born into a living hope, because our Christ is raised. Born into a family. Born into a future. Treasure endless and unfading. Held in heaven's hands. Hands that guard our hearts. Hearts that trust in God. Convinced that He will save us. Confident He will show Himself. We stand now rejoicing. Even in the trial. Our fire-tested faith grows hot. Bringing glory to our God. We have never seen Him. Still, we love him. We don't see him now, and still we rejoice. Joy without words, joy full of glory. We are being saved, have been saved, will be saved. Bring a blessing now to the Father of our Savior, our one and living hope. Good morning, church. Man, I'm so glad that you guys are here today. What an exciting Sunday to be together, to come together and celebrate our risen Savior one with another, to encourage one another on the journey, to dig into the Word of God, gather around the Lord's table. Uh, It's just a great moment to be together as the family of God in this place, first day of the week as we get started into our week. We want to say a special welcome to our guests that are here today as well. Thank you for joining us and being a part of our assembly this morning. Our hope is that you've seen Jesus Christ in our midst and will continue to do so. Equally, we'd love for you to be a part of our family. If you're looking for a church home, we'd love for you to think about joining us and sharing the story of Jesus right here at Crosspoint and around the world. There are lots of ways to get plugged into ministry, to use your gift set for the glory of God. And we invite you to do that with us, sharing that story of Jesus Christ, the one who can indeed make all things new. Thanks again for being here today. We're going to start a brand new series today from the book of First Peter, and so I hope you've got your Bibles and will turn with me there. We'll be there in just a, a little while. Uh, you may have noticed uh, some of our, our stage decoration is down, and we've replaced it with this red door. That's going to kind of be the symbol of uh, this series, the idea of home. Where is our home? Uh, Some of you may have also noticed that the door is inverted, that the top is actually at the bottom, and that's because we want to look at home from a different perspective. We want to come at this in a different direction than maybe what we know and understand home uh, to be. Because the truth is, you've had those moments where you've wanted to go home. 
Maybe you were out on the road and you got really sick and you just thought, man, if I, if I could just go home, everything would be okay. Get into my bed, those types of things, cover up with my special blanket, whatever that might have been. If I could just get home, things would be better. Maybe you got homesick and that first night you ever went to camp. And you, there, there were tears, people gathered around you, some counselors that kind of helped you through the night, and you just wanted to go home. If you could just be with mom and dad, man, everything would be great. Maybe you have a career that keeps you on the road all the time, and you're thinking by Friday, man, if I could just get home and get a home-cooked meal, things would be okay. Everything would be great. I remember when I was in the eighth grade back in uh, Glenwood, Arkansas, uh, we lived there when I was in the seventh and eighth grade. Ironically, my dad is back there preaching for the same church right now. Uh, But I remember one particular summer in the eighth grade, a little scrawny guy by the name of Tim uh, was looking to make a little more money. And my dad lined up a little job for me, and uh, he said, you're going to help out with this one family at our congregation on their farm, and for the course of a week, you're going to help them bale hay. Anybody ever bailed hay in here? Uh, Let me tell you something. That'll help you get an education really quick because you don't want to do that the rest of your life. Not that there's anything wrong with it, but man, it's tough on the body. Uh, And I remember that uh, first day I showed up, I was eager, but it was a hot Arkansas summer and uh, the sweat was rolling and I was walking along in the field picking up those square bales and putting them on the back of the flatbed. Somebody was stacking them even higher. And I remember getting home that night and, and realizing how sore and hurting my hands were, the joints and all of my fingers, and I think I probably shed some tears knowing I'm going to have to go back and do it tomorrow. <laughs> it was not going to be a good day on Tuesday, I'll know that. But I remember at the end of that first day, I was ready to go home. I wanted to just chill, take a shower, get a snack, those types of things, watch my favorite TV show. I was ready to go home. And we got back to the farm, and they turned the truck around with the flatbed, and we began backing up to the barn. And I said, what are we doing? So we've got to get the hay up into the barn. I was like, no, (laughs) I just want to go home. (laughs) It was a learning experience for me, for sure. You've had those moments, though, in your life where things have not worked out like you thought they might have. And you thought, man, if I could just go home, everything would be okay. Everything would be smoothed out. Everything would be great. What we find in Peter's letter to the church, who uh, currently in, in, the, in the country that we would see today is northern Turkey, he writes to the Christians that are in that diaspora, five different locations, because they are worried. Things are not working out like they thought they might. They were worried about following Jesus Christ because it was causing some problems in their life. And those Christians that Peter writes to had been marginalized, they had been slandered, they had been kicked to the curb by society, and they were enduring some tough moments in their life. But Peter writes to them and to us today to remind us in our own Christian walk as we follow the rabbi, as we lean into the story of Jesus Christ that he is indeed, Jesus Christ, our living hope. He is the hope that we have through this life and into the next. That, That we understand that our home is not here on this earth, but it is with our creator in heaven. That the reality is even when our hearts are broken, that our hearts are in the palm of God's hand. 
He knows what you're dealing with, what you're going through, and he invites you into his story anyway. He wants to be a part of your life. But we look all around this world and we see that we are in a world of hurt. We are in painful seasons within our life. We can see the racial tension that exists in our own country. We look around the world and we can see the wars that exist and the conflict, the deaths that happen in those moments. We see how terrorism seems to have locked down the world. We see the the families that are torn apart because of decisions one side makes versus another side. We see how cancer and other illnesses wreck and draw down our families. We look at the culture in which we live, and that culture doesn't believe in Jesus Christ. They don't agree that we do indeed have a living hope, that we've got something more than what this world has to offer, and so we are, as Christians, are tested and pressed from every side about our belief system and who we really should be leaning into. You see, you and I, as followers of Jesus Christ, we live in this weird thing called the already and the not yet, because we've already been reborn because of what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. Because we've accepted that story, we have something special in Jesus Christ. We've been reborn. We have that already, yet we also live in the not yet. Jesus Christ has not come back for his church yet. And so we live in the space in between, and we say that special word for that space is hope and trust in Jesus Christ and what he will and has done for us. Peter writes this letter in the early to mid-60s to these Christians who are suffering persecution. They are not having life like they thought it might exist. But he writes them to remind them that their hope is in Jesus Christ, not in an empire. Not in this world and what this world has to offer. You see, in Peter's day, Rome was the world leader in every possible way. Rome controlled everything. Culture, religion, society, taxes, money, you name it. They controlled it. And the known world at that time didn't like Christians because, see, they had been labeled differently than the rest of the world. The world knew people who followed Jesus Christ as atheist. Because, you see, Rome believed in a pantheon of gods, lots of gods. And Christians said, no, there's only one God. Those gods don't exist. And so Rome would have labeled them as atheists. Rome labeled them also as cannibals because they talked about eating the flesh of Jesus Christ, drinking the blood of Jesus Christ, as we symbolically did this morning around the Lord's table. They were wrongly labeled as incestuous because they heard terms uh, from married people, this is my brother and this is my sister. As we talked about two weeks ago, we're part of the family of God. And you are my brothers and sisters. You are my mentors in the faith. Resistant 
Resistance to the way, as it was called, escalated until about 64 AD. There was a guy on the throne, a Caesar by the name of Nero. Nero was one crazy dude, I'll tell you right now. If you go back and read history, you can see all the things that he was involved in. But one thing he wanted to do was enlarge his house, the palace. But there were some things in the way, and so history tells us that Nero burnt Rome in order to make way for his building project. Now, people were upset about that, of course, so he had to point the finger somewhere. And he said that Christians started the fire. And so the persecution that existed actually began to heighten somewhat. And Rome labeled Christians as an extremist group. You know, sometimes today, we as followers of Christ are labeled incorrectly, wouldn't you say? Sometimes the world looks at us and doesn't see the love that we share with Jesus Christ and how we are called to imitate him in every possible way. So there are moments within our own culture when we're labeled as judgmental, when we're labeled as homophobic, when we are labeled as out of touch or radical. And they would be incorrect labels, much like our friends are Christians in that first century dealt with as well. And Nero did some horrific things in his persecution of people who followed Jesus. Some of those things that are are listed is that he would arrest some of those Christians and in his palace garden at night, he would tie them to poles, pour tar on them, and light them on fire in the evening so that his gardens would be lit. They were fed to wild animals for show. The persecution that existed to the people that Peter is writing to is incredible and far from maybe what we experience today in America. But Peter wants to remind those people who are running away from culture to live out their faith in such a way that they can remind the world that they indeed have a living hope. That Jesus Christ is exactly who he says he is. And he will follow through on every promise as God has from the beginning of time. What I've said from the get-go since I first got here, hard to believe, five years ago, is this idea that Jesus Christ is the source of our hope. It is Jesus Christ who is the source of our hope. And so Peter begins... In 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3, a text that Hank read during our communion time. Peter says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by His great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. And now we live with great expectation and we have a priceless inheritance an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. Peter wants to remind us that we have a hope in Jesus Christ. And as I've already said a couple of weeks ago, we talked about being a family, that we don't journey alone, we journey together as a family of believers, to lift up Jesus Christ first and foremost, but to encourage one another on the journey. 
Peter uses a, a Greek word here. It's a military term for guarding something. It's under lock and key. It's not going anywhere. It cannot escape. Our inheritance is what Peter is talking about. It will never perish. It will never be stolen. It will never fade. It will not go away. But what you and I know as we look at this world, things begin to fade and perish and tarnish. All the things that the world says, put your faith in. This is the direction that you need to go. This is where you need to put yourself, your life. Way back in 2005, uh, Hurricane Katrina came ashore. And uh, this is a Six Flags that is in New Orleans, that after that storm was never rebuilt. You take a look at it, falling apart, dilapidated, overgrown. And Peter wants to remind us in this life that we don't need to invest ourselves in the things that this culture, our world offers, but that we need to look to the spiritual, that we need to lean into the story of Jesus Christ, that we need to realize that our guarantee, our, our hope is in something far more than this world could ever promise us. And sometimes we think that heaven is our hope, but it is not our living hope, which is the centerpiece of the church, by the way. That's Jesus Christ. But so many people in our world put their faith in other things. They, they put their hope in their athletic ability. If I, if I get my kid in all of these sports, he'll get a scholarship to, to college, maybe make some money on the back end. We put our hope in the amount of degrees that we have hanging on our wall, maybe the nameplate on the door of our office. We, we put our hope in our family. We put our hope in our circle of friends. We put our hope in our bank account or our retirement account. And while in and of itself, those things are not bad, they're not sinful, they're not, uh, they're not a bad thing. What we've got to remember is people who believe in Jesus Christ, people who believe in the hope that is Jesus Christ, that that is where our salvation comes from and nothing else. Our living hope is found in Jesus Christ. Yeah, I love this time of year because this is when uh, very soon the Winter Olympics are going to begin. Anybody like to watch the Olympics? Several of us in here, it, you know, ping-pongs back and forth every two years. You have the Summer Olympics, then the Winter Olympics. Uh, it, it is such a fun time, and I don't know why, but I, I really like the Winter Olympics. Maybe because I'm not good at any of those things, and I like watching other people perform those death-defying feats. But there's always a story of hope in the Olympics. Do you ever notice that? that they talk about somebody that came from obscurity and, and has risen to the challenge. This guy right here, Akwazi Frimpong, what a last name, right? He's going to represent Ghana in the Winter Olympics. Did you, did you, did you hear that? Now, Ghana, for those of you who don't know, is in Africa. He grew up in poverty, an orphan. He was living hand to mouth. What am I going to, what's my next meal type of life growing up? He never even dreamed that athletics were part of the picture. But then as he got older, he realized he was really good at some things. Other people noticed that and began to train him and work with him. And now at age 31, he's going to represent his country, Ghana, in the Winter Olympics in the, the skeleton. Now that is a scary sport and dangerous but it's that, that hope. We enjoy messages of hope, don't we? We love to see people 
who come out on top, who achieve when maybe all the forces were against them, so to speak. We love those stories of hope. Now, in verse 6 of our text, Peter changes direction just a little bit. There's a a shift. Peter begins to talk about the joy that we're going to have in Jesus Christ because we're suffering, because we're enduring persecution, because things aren't maybe going exactly how we thought they would go when we signed up to follow the rabbi. You see, it's not just about tolerating the, the temporary, but it's leaning into the eternal that moves us in this life. And it's how we face adversity, trial, and chaos as we walk behind the rabbi, as his dust settles upon us, as we lean into the story of Jesus Christ. You see, hope isn't just about the future. It's about the present. It's about helping this world see that there is something more than what the world has to offer. That truly, our living hope is what really matters. And so, at your workplace, when the boss is piled on work, maybe someone was let go, someone was fired, someone quit, and now you have their workload as well. And you're wondering, if, am I going to make it through this week with the amount of stress? And the world is watching you as a Christian. How are they going to react? How are they going to interact here? Maybe it's the lack of work. Maybe you haven't found that job yet. You're still looking and you're hoping to put food on the table. The world is watching to see how you as a Jesus follower are going to react and interact. Or or when friends betray us, say false things about us, drag our name through the mud unjustly. And the world is going to look at you and ask, how are you going to interact? Maybe when there's family tension, you're not sure exactly how to handle what's going on at home. Your friends and the world are watching you to see, how would Jesus interact in this moment? When the womb is barren and you can't have that family that you'd hope to have, in that adversity, how are you going to act? When sickness seems to hang around forever, the cancer reoccurs, the world looks at you as a Jesus follower and asks, are you truly connected to the living hope? How does this temporal thing affect you spiritually? You see, this, this movement as we follow Jesus Christ is a moment for our faith to shine and hope to float. It is a moment to show the world that there is something more than what the world has to offer. And Peter says in verse 6, So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. Peter acknowledges this world's going to throw everything that it can at us because its master, the enemy, Satan, wants to pull you away from your relationship with the living hope. His job is to make sure that you walk away from that relationship. And so Peter wants to encourage us in this moment, no matter what's going on, no matter what valley you find yourself in, understand that Jesus Christ is with you. He'll never leave you. He'll walk with you in that moment. We love to hear stories about people 
despite their tough moment, who are looking like Jesus, who have their hope in Jesus. And I have sat around your living rooms and your dining room tables when you have lost a loved one. And I love to hear you, through the tears, talk about how you're going to see them again because you have a living hope. Because Jesus Christ will follow through on his promises. When you get that, that dark comment across that desk that says the cancer is here. And through the tears, I see you rejoicing in all that you've been blessed with in Jesus Christ. When you know that there's going to be loneliness on the horizon because you're going through that divorce that you hoped would never happen. And even through those tears... You rejoice in Jesus Christ because you know at the end of the day you're truly not alone because Jesus has not left you and he will not leave you. When there's no job, even though you're looking endlessly, I've sat with you, prayed with you, and talked with you and hear in your voice the belief that Jesus will make all things new, that he will turn everything around. See, Peter is reminding us to keep our current situation in perspective against the backdrop of the glory of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He wants to remind us as we face this world that we do have a living hope in Jesus Christ, that nothing will be be taken away necessarily, that there are some trials that we have to maybe go through, but at the end of the day, Jesus will be true to his promise. And what we discover along the way is that a believer's faith is strengthened many times through that suffering. You've experienced that as well. Moments when you have had a tough day, a tough week, a tough moment in life. But you've come out on the other side stronger and better because of the Holy Spirit living within you. And Jesus Christ strengthening you. And Peter says in verse 7, These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. You love him even though you have never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him. And you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. The reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. Peter reminds many of us, and especially us today, that we haven't seen Jesus Christ, yet we love him anyway. We trust him and lean into his story because uh, we see all the promises that he's fulfilled through God's word from the beginning of time to this point, and we know that he will be true to following through on living up to his word. The end result of having that active faith in Jesus Christ is our very salvation. The idea that we will get to see our creator and be with those who have gone on before us. It's the tough moments that come into life that allow our faith in Jesus Christ to be strengthened and to be renewed. And there are some of us here this morning saying, I've had a pretty tough moment. I've had a pretty tough uh, run of things. I'm not sure that I can be as faithful as Peter is calling me to be faithful. Because maybe right now you're experiencing that, that valley in your life. 
you realize that your marriage is on his last leg. You've gotten that dark diagnosis from that doctor. And you know you're in a job 40 hours a week where when you go because of your faith, you are berated and belittled. But remember who is receiving this letter from Peter. The people that would read this letter have left their homes. They've left the culture they're comfortable with and moved to different areas. They are unemployed, finding it difficult for housing. They are being arrested and sometimes killed. And Peter reminds us, if you have this living hope in Jesus, it's going to produce joy in your life. That seems like an oxymoron, doesn't it? But Jesus does bring joy, does he not? Despite what we are experiencing, we know that Jesus Christ is the thing that keeps us going. Our trust in him reminds us of the hope that we have to have things better at some point, that Jesus will follow through with his promise. You see, as a, as a disciple of Jesus Christ, you, you can't cave in to the world because they are going to press you, they're going to test you, they're going to push you because they don't like the idea that you've got a relationship with something that is absolutely perfect. They're going to challenge you on your Christ-like choices in life. Church, I've heard this before. It is so true. You can't have a testimony without a test. You and I are being tested. And it's in that moment that our testimony rises to the surface and the world sees actually the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives to overcome and be different. James, the half-brother of Jesus in James chapter 1, reminds us that God is the, the giver of every good and perfect gift, but we're also reminded that the enemy, Satan, has come to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to pull us out of that relationship. Paul himself writes from a prison cell in Philippians chapter 1, where he says this text, For you have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for him. Paul knew what it was like to suffer for the cause. And one of my favorite texts, From Jesus' own words, he reminds all of us in John chapter 16, I have told you all of this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Jesus Christ has overcome everything. Everything that you and I deal with on an everyday basis as we follow him, he's overcome. And he lifts you up in your moment in your valley, when you believe you're alone, when you believe you're dealing with it on your own, he's there with you because he's overcome. Church, I'm excited this morning to let you know that the tomb is empty. I mean, Satan couldn't keep him down. Satan couldn't do anything to him. He's overcome all of that. The Savior is for you and for me. Satan cannot sink our hope. As a matter of fact, Satan has no hope because of our living hope. He's going to be tossed out into darkness when that great getting up morning happens. He is going away along with every grief that you and I have ever experienced because of the living hope that we have in Jesus Christ. He is everything to us, church. And he's overcome the world, and so we too get to overcome the world. What I know is that my resurrected king is resurrecting me. 
and he's resurrecting you as well. He's in your life. He's walking with you. He's holding you up. He is the hope that you and I have in this life to the next. Hope isn't just about the future, church. It's about right now. And it's about us expressing that story of Jesus Christ, knowing that he will make all things new in our life and everyone else that takes him on as Lord and Savior, no matter what Satan throws at you. Jesus Christ loves you. He died for you. And he is our living hope. I'm going to invite the praise team back to the stage at this time. Our shepherds and their wives will be gathered along the wall of this room. And as we sing this song, church, I want you to lift your voices high. Because we have means to celebrate today that Jesus Christ loves us. He loves you. You are not alone. And he will, in your life, make all things new. Let's stand and sing together.